Good morning, everyone. Welcome and, and welcome, Helen Yates. Um, known Helen for a, a little while now. <laughs> Helen's brand is a is a um, called Rootles. Um, she's actually got a wealth of experience in the industry, and and actually, you no, know, Rootles is is growing well, going from strength to strength. Um, the products are high fiber snack bar um, with a twist. Actually, they contain thirty five percent root vegetables. Um, but without compromising on taste or texture. Um, and, um, you know, it was, it was, I believe, and I'm going to ask you about this in a minute, actually, Helen, because I'd like to understand it more, but, um, you know, people have been add, adding cakes and um, vegetables into cakes for a long time, um, but not biscuits. Um, and uh, so she's been, um, she's been picking up listings and selling direct to the consumer. Um, but Helen didn't start from... Um, from a point of no knowledge at all, so perhaps we can we can start here, um, Helen. Would you like to um, talk a little bit about what you were doing before you started Rootles? Um, yeah, so I, so I joined um, my husband's business um, about ten years ago, uh, which is Luke Evans Bakery, mm-hmm. um, and it's a wholesale bakery that started in eighteen oh four, and uh, it's a long it's a long story how we've ended up with it. Uh, my husband was in it for 30 years. Prior to that, I was in the transport industry. Uh, mm-hmm. We sold that business, and that's how I ended up in the baking industry. So I'm not a baker, I'm more of a general manager. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of my background before the Rootles kicked off. And Rootles is, we've, we've brought it under the Luke Evans umbrella with the view that we will separate it out as a separate business. Oh, okay. Okay, so had had you always wanted to start your own food business, or was this sort of something that happened and then evolved um do you know I I had always had I'd always got in my mind that I wanted to start my own business and I have got a passion for food um and I love Luke Evans Breaker is a great business but it's quite it's a it's a it's an indulgent business we, we do lots of breads we do lots of rolls uh, but we also do lots of cakes which are high fat high sugar mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I found that quite hard to sell because um, it doesn't quite sit with me 100% because I kind of like more the health side of things. Right. So so the opportunity came along um, with Rootles. Um, the idea came actually from a girl at Nottingham University. I, shall, I, shall I go into that? Um, I, w- I was working at, uh, what, what I do is I work with Nottingham University with the master's business students Mm-hmm. Um, and actually the food students as well um, to give them projects for their like dissertation mm-hmm. um, and the first meeting I went to with the business students was with a girl called Petsy and she was a Chinese girl uh, and another Chinese girl working with her and an, uh, a Pakistani guy and the three of them were, were taking on the Luke Evans marketing project yeah. She brought this biscuit to me and said, oh, try this. And I think the only reason she brought it to me was because she knew I got baking background. No, no more than that. So I tried it. I said, oh, these are really good. Tastes like a digestive biscuit. What are they? And she says, oh, they, they, they contain vegetables. So I was like, really? Okay. So, so that was. So I said, right, I'll tell you what, we're going to ditch the Luke Evans project. We're going to actually test the concept of vegetable biscuit, would it work in the market? So we switched that project, and I think that was 2018. So it's quite a while ago. Oh, okay. So the so the project yielded then the first the first recipes. 
Yes, yeah, she had the first recipes, which was a vegan one, which contained margarine um, and palm oil. So that was one of the issues really when we got stuck into it. And it, and it was it was the, the way we made it was quite laborious because it was grated carrot. So grating thousands and thousands of carrots is quite hard work. Uh, but we continued down that route uh, within the bakery, um, tried our best to, to get to, to a stage of commercial because we thought we'd be able to do it in the bakery. Um, and then realised that actually this needed a more commercial approach. So that's when I rang Mel and said, right, we've got this, we've got this project, we've got this product, but we need to commercialise it. Can you help? So that's how I ended up with Frog Hop. Yeah, so we've, we've, we've had a number of development sessions with you over, over the time. Um, it's, um, you know, our, our development with people can sort of follow different kinds of profiles, actually. Um, you know, so I, I've sort of felt that we worked with you when you needed help and then you could go away and do other things. How, how did that work from your point of view? Um, yeah, no, that worked well. Yeah, um, I, I think, um, yeah, because because we, we've got bakers and we've got some of the kit, uh, we could get it to a certain level. What we were lacking was kind of the expertise is that of, of the ingredients that you probably could add to it, of what is out there. We're using very traditional ingredients um so by, by bringing it to Mel it's, it's I suppose it was more Mel understands the chemical and background of it, I suppose that, that probably we didn't is that if you put certain products together and, and the, it creates a certain taste or a certain texture or whatever so I think by working with you that sped us along another stage um to, to kind of the next next stage did you when you first set out, did you have specific objectives in terms of nu nutrition and price and so on? Um, price, we uh, the price really, we wanted it to be a retail of around about a, a pound. Um, so it sat in the snack bar category. Um, we, we wanted high fibre. Um, and if you remember, we, we actually did put extra fibre into it. Yeah. And we kept it going for a bit, but it made the biscuit really hard. So in the end, we took it out. It is still classed as high fibre, but it's just on the cusp because it's six, six grams per hundred. But the main thing that we really wanted was, was to be in line with PH England, PHE, um, the, um, their, their guidance was 100 calories for a kid's snack. Mm -hmm. um, the problem was, so we were actually at 120 because we took it down to 100. The, the, the biscuits were just, they weren't substantial enough. So, um, so, so they, they were the, the main objectives, really. Mm -hmm. And to taste good, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's still impressively digestive-like in my in my view. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, particularly if you're trying to give kids kids snacks and get some extra sneaky vegetables in. This is like yes. yeah, in my view, um, which is fantastic. Um, when you were when you were starting, how how well did you develop your business model and commercials before you were setting out? Did you feel you had an advantage from already coming from a bakery background? Yeah, I think uh, because we've got the bakery, we, you know, I, I could kind of absorb some of the costs um, into the bakery anyway, obviously the labour um, and, and the ingredients and that kind of thing. So, um, and it, it helps having a, a business where we can claim the VAT back. So we did end up buying kit. Uh, we bought chocolate machines and things like that where, you know, we could get finance on it. So from that, that perspective, being actually part of a business did help because and again I've not had to go to um, a manufacturer to actually develop the initial product we've actually been able to do it to a certain extent commercially 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that so certainly being part of the business has has helped has helped that. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, and um, when you when you got to the point where you had your product developed, what were your what were your moves in terms of going to find out whether the consumers liked it and and establishing whether you had a real market for it? Um, we we test, we tested actually um, at various farmers markets. I did a couple at, the, at Nottingham Uni. We did uh, some food fairs, um, and I actually took it speciality uh, farm food fair. Um, we weren't really quite ready to market it at that stage, but I paid for the stand, so I went anyway. And actually, it was really valuable. The feedback actually we got was great, uh, but that was the old product, and it the product really wasn't actually that good in all honesty. Mm-hmm. So um, not in comparison to the one we've got now. So um, I'm a lot more, you know, so that that gave me the confidence. It was an expensive way to do it. But, you know, I, th- I think the stand was about 1600 and then the costs of um, hotels and stuff because I don't live in London. But actually it, it was it was money worth spending because it, it did. It gave me quite a few leads um, and um, it, it gave me confidence in the product that it was worth investing in. Um, and then so that then we kind of came back the plan at this stage was still to develop it within Luke Evans mm-hmm. um, and then COVID hit um, and we like many other bakers I think just went through the roof we were just hor- horrendously busy in a good way that you know it's a good thing certainly not complaining but we were just so busy and we couldn't t- churn out sliced bread and cake quick enough it was just unbelievable so unfortunately Ruthless took a bit of a back seat mm-hmm. um, but then I saw the competition for Mission Ventures. Um, so then I applied for that, um, got through on that. And then that gave me the second boost, really, to go, right, let's get back on this. That kind of gave me the push to kind of get get back onto it again and not get so absorbed in Luke Evans, because that was what was happening, really. I was getting distracted with Luke Evans. Yeah, that is hard having two, two pools like that. Yeah, when one one earns one one earns a profit and the other one doesn't, so <laughs> yes, quite exactly. So yeah, it's interesting actually. You're you're part of the same cohort, I believe, at Mission Ventures as two of our other customers, Snackzilla and Lexi's Treats. That's right. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. You guys all went in together. Um, how's how's that experience been? Yeah, really good. It's finished now. It finished at the end of June. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it costly because um, what to be fair there's a lot of experience and knowledge within within the mission ventures team yes. so um we ended up completely rebranding um which uh cost us quite a lot of money and bear in mind i'd already spent twelve thousand on the previous branding and that just went out the window right. um, but we made quite a big mistake on the old branding there's a couple of big mistakes really one is the selling point of it is it contains vegetable yeah. And the designer that I'd used historically and felt that actually we didn't talk to market the fact it contains vegetable because actually that would put people off. But actually that is its USP. Right. So with the new designer, we actually went completely the other way. And, uh, and as you can see, it's now got carrots all over it. So it's um, and we still think it probably could go another level, actually. Mm-hmm. So, so that that was very good. Uh, we had a full, we did loads of market research and a full branding day. So that gave us the, it gave us a very clear, we had a very clear view of who we were targeting, who our target market is, and that target uh, target market is, and that that was also um, really useful. So, um, 
so yeah so no if if, if if you get the opportunity to do it you don't you don't necessarily have to kind of spend that much money i know that lexis hasn't and i don't think snackzilla has but I, we decided it was the right approach but if you you know if you get the opportunity to go with it then go with it because actually there's a lot of knowledge there yeah no it sounds amazing um so working working for a bakery um how did you find the production and manufacturing process I'm just asking from a point of view I suppose of lessons for other people it's a perhaps a slightly different start to uh, some of other other startups yeah well it was a nightmare <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare because we were trying to make sticks what well, the product is is three three individual sticks and you'd think that'd be quite straightforward to make but it's not it's hugely laborious so we were actually making it on our kit we got we, we haven't got much space we're on the same site we're on in 1804 um, and we supply um, probably 300 customers from that location. We're a 24-hour site, and so we're really at max capacity. Um, but we, um, so we were trying to use a sausage roll machine and to actually cut sticks, and it just wasn't working. It really wasn't working. Um, so in the end, and then, and then we were trying to chocolate. We wanted real chocolate. We don't use real chocolate in the bakery, so then we bought a chocolate machine. Um, and then, and then, so then I had to go and learn how to temp, temper chocolate. So I took a team and we were learning how to temper chocolate and it just was so laborious. We couldn't, just couldn't manage it. So in the end, I thought, well, I'll tell you what, we'll make the biscuits, but we'll find somebody who can, who can chocolate the biscuits. So I just basically reached out to everybody I know and asked them to, to and, you know, just do anybody and anybody I just spoke to. And the upshot was in the end uh, that somebody put me in contact with a guy who happens to live four miles from me, which is great, actually. But again, a great a knowledgeable chat within the industry with a lot of contacts. And we've ended up subcontracting the whole lot out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is we could not make it um, for the price that the manufacturer, you need, we needed a proper biscuit line for it. Right. So we've ended up subcontracting it out. But finding that initial uh, manufacturer was really hard work. And um, it's, uh, you know, I think that I, I think that's one of the hardest things to do for a startup, actually, is finding a manufacturer when you've got no history of sales to take yeah. your product on. Um, and they developed it a bit further so that it would match their manufacturing line as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I can support what you're saying. Actually, part, the end part of our development process is finding people a manufacturer. Yeah. And it, it, it is somewhat more involved than I think, you know, if, you, if you're a startup, than it would seem. Um, and then building a relationship with them, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's been particularly hard in COVID as well, because uh, my manufacturer, we ended up having to go overseas and say, well, everything's done on WhatsApp and phone calls. And it's just, you know, really, I needed to be out there and I've still not managed to get there yet. So, Yeah, I've spent a lot of time on Zoom video calls being <laughs> factories and shown bits of production lines I don't know I'm sure you probably had the same thing yeah. yes just make it work basically <laughs> so uh so yeah. so have you had to take um investment um into doing retails not at the moment um it's, it's funded by um, <clears throat> it's funded very much by Luke Evans um we can we can sort of absorb the costs into there I have to say we you know there's an element of because of uh, because of COVID, financially as a business, um, we've we've 
you know, and, and, you know, I respect that we're one of the few businesses, but we did quite well through COVID. Just everybody shut down during COVID. Greg's, McDonald's, everywhere, everywhere shut down. So that we just could not, they were coming to us. So I'm trying to sort of use it as a justification, really, but that puts us into a good position. So at the moment, no. Um, however, we will be going out for investment um, in the future um, yeah. just to take it to that next level. So you've not you've had to pitch the product presumably then just to retailers at the moment. We've had a real problem, um, and again, this is part of the, the from the manufacturing side. They have to say they've been really good and they're very professional. Um, but what's happened is is that the, the very first shipment they sent in May, eighty mm-hmm. percent of the product was stale, um, and I hadn't realised. So I've been sending it out to customers, potential customers, not realising that I was sending stale product because not all of it was stale. So and then we started getting this feedback and I thought, oh God, this isn't this just this doesn't sound right at all. So in the end, I sat down and worked my way through a whole box shelf pack of 16 packs. Yeah. And out of 16 packs, four had got a soggy biscuit in them. Yeah. So it's been a bit, a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. So as a result of that, um, I've not been confident to send the samples out to any major retailers yet. What we have done is because I've got the good stuff, the dark chocolate's absolutely fine. It was a milk chocolate that wasn't so great. Um, the, the manufacturer are extremely professional. They're BRC uh, grade. They they called me back and they gave me all the batch codes. They agreed actually straight away. There was no argument. And they gave me all the batch codes that I needed to dispose of. And I've disposed of 25,000 packs. Um, and I've got about 8,000 left. So mm-hmm. what we're doing, we're rolling those out through the Luke Evans network, we're selling online, and we've literally just launched on Amazon yesterday. So when I get the new delivery, which is Monday, so I'll get my replacement biscuits on Monday, mm-hmm. that's when we're going to start pitching. But I have got a full pitch deck uh, ready to go, which again, we started with um, Mission Ventures, um, and then I've picked a few people's brains along the way to refine that. So the, the pitch is ready to go. Um, so yeah. Well, that's good news. It's so good that your manufacturer did the right thing. It's not always that easy. No, I, I, I have to say I breathe a sigh of relief when they emailed me. They, but they, I told them, we, I rang them Monday night, five o'clock. They had an emergency meeting Tuesday morning. By Tuesday night, they'd agreed to replace the whole lot. So, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it was good. Just over a year ago, we had a, a new customer come to us that had basically the same problem um, in a slightly different product area. It had 35,000 units made of something and it was no good. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't a safety issue, but um, yeah, it, <laughs> reactions can be somewhat different. So uh, I, I mean, yeah. the, the problem is it damages your brand if you're not careful. And, yeah, um, can we talk a little bit about sales? What, what's your approach been to your sales strategy? Um, when we basically the, the, the approach that we're taking at the moment is we're rolling I'm rolling it out to all the customers that I think are relevant within Luke Evans. It's mm-hmm. quite interesting actually because we started because I would I automatically went, oh, it's the farm shops, it's the farm shops, it's the high end. It isn't actually because it's a grab and go product. It's actually um, it's it's more convenience stores and uh, grab and go petrol stations and that kind of thing. So. Um, so we've kind of changed our approach with that. So I've picked out the customers within Luke Evans doing it purely on sale or return. So in three months' time, if they haven't sold them, they're very welcome to send it back. So that way there's no risk to them. Um, so we, again, I'm lucky because I can do that through Luke Evans. We're yeah. doing Amazon and we're doing online. 
Um, and then now what I'm doing is looking at uh, food to go, um, sort of food catering places, mm-hmm. petrol stations. And that's where I'm targeting. I, as soon as I get the samples, the decent stuff, I will be talking to Ocado um, and Whole Foods and trying to get trying to get into them at the moment I don't want to go into the big retailers I want to hold off just for six months what I'd like to do is get some sales behind me and actually get you know just make sure this product is absolutely right because what I don't want you to do is to go go to Sainsbury's sit in their future brands yeah. for 12 weeks and then they don't want it at the end of it so I want to try and get the brand built a little bit more before I target the major retailers and make sure that it's right because obviously once it's out there you start to get feedback I mean we've already had feedback about you know have you got a vegan version uh, have you got a gluten-free version and these are the things that are being asked so I Actually, when, again, when I go to the retailer, I'd like to have these options as well. Yeah. So kind of it's more we will and I will talk to distributors. Um, I'm hoping to have a stand at lunch um, to try and pick a few, few contacts up there. Yeah, uh, it's really good feedback from lunch, actually, in terms of potential prospects for people that have stands. And I, and I think because and again, because there's been nothing else. You see, I was supposed to be at the Delhi and Farm Shop show, which is also the convenience and the forecourt show in Birmingham. But obviously, as soon as Boris extended his lockdown for four more weeks, that went because that that was the supposed to be the first one back. So it was a bit gutting, really. Yeah. So yeah, so I've never been to lunch, but I, like Mel says, I understand that it is quite a, yeah, a a good trade show to go to. So. Yeah, it has been tough over the past year. We were poised to go to that trade show in Birmingham as well. And then obviously... Were you really? Yeah. (laughs) Trading, wasn't it? (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Quite. Yeah. It's interesting, actually, the the impact of COVID on your business because it's, yeah, you can see positives and negatives. Despite the fact that everyone was supposed to be at home making banana bread, clearly they were also buying other bread. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and I think the other thing as well is actually what's happening now is coming out of it. People are a lot more aware of health and healthy eating, which yes. is which is which is good for me on the root all side now. Is yeah. that you know, and I think people will go back to snacking on the go um and whatnot. So and again, and just going out for a coffee and a biscuit or a coffee and a snack. It's people will get back into it because that's what people have missed. It's getting back to that normality, really. So absolutely, absolutely. So last last question, actually, and I must allow other people um, some time to ask questions. Um, if standing here now, do, is there anything you looking backwards you think you could go and tell yourself at the start of this process that you would have liked to know? Certainly, um, understand your USP because that cost me a lot of money um, with missing on the packaging um i'm quite happy to tell you how much i've spent on marketing but the first round cost 12 grand and we completely missed we didn't miss the usp we knew what it was but we didn't take advantage of it enough i don't think i had enough people around me um so i probably didn't involve enough people to get enough strong feedback on it Um, and then and then the second round cost another twelve thousand (laughs) pounds so it's been very expensive um So that that will be my main thing is really understand your unique your, your USP and 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 kind of who your market is when you're designing your packaging and when you're spending a lot of money on packaging. Mm-hmm. Well, bear in mind that you've got to get people to pick it up off the shelf because I think some people will say you don't need to spend that much money. And um, probably you don't if you can find a good designer, but you're not there to sell that product when it's sat on that shelf in Sainsbury's. Yeah, it's true. different to selling it when I'm stood at a food fair. I can I can sell when I'm stood at a food fair quite happily. Yeah. Um, 
when you're not there, that packaging has got to sell it. So I think it's really understanding what needs to be on that pack. That's probably my biggest expense and, and mistake, really, I would say. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that. And so being so candid as well. So much appreciated. Um, okay, if anyone wants to unmute and ask questions, please do. Um, I've got a question while you're thinking about it from Prashant. Um, interesting question, actually, <laughs> something I understand well as well. Um, uh, he asks, what was your success ratio in getting co-manufacturers to actually give you reliable quotes? You know, you don't get that much choice, to be quite honest with you. Um, the, the reason that we've gone overseas, um, we, we actually have our product made in North Macedonia, mm-hmm. is because um, I, could get, I could get the product made in the UK, but the minimum orders were so high that it just didn't make it feasible. Um, and you, you just end up losing a load of money and, and, and lost stock. So the, there aren't, you know, I, I, I got one. And that was it. And I was grateful. I knew what I knew what price I needed it to be at to make it viable for me to sell it. Um, And they came in, including packed. And it it arrives to me completely packed. It arrives to me like that. They do the whole lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so I I knew um, what I needed it to be at. Um, and that, that I, I only had one manufacturer. I didn't have alternatives. There, there are, and this is the problem. Um, you know, at Luke Evans, we get a lot of people ringing us up, saying, "Oh, we'd like to do this particular flapjack with this, that, and the rest of it." Yes. It, but they've got no. There's no history. You're not gonna. You're not gonna sacrifice your operation for something that's not tried and tested, and that that's the problem. So, so, so I didn't have. I had one, and thankfully they came in at the right price. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, that's that's great. Um, oh, yeah, thank you for passion on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, we often find the same thing, but ultimately, you just need one good right answer, and then you know, I, I guess, uh, and going forwards, potentially, you might want to have a second one, but you know, you're in a different position at that point when you're looking again. Ultimately, we would we our, our intention is that we'll get the product made in the UK um, mm. for for various reasons, environmental, logistics, the hassle of it, but. Um, but I, what I need to do is be able to know that I could that, that we can meet that minimum or that minimum order. Um, obviously, we'll be able to sell it, which is obviously the intention. So ultimately, then we will be in a position where I will be able to go out to manufacturers to say, right, okay, then give me your best quote, and hopefully they'll want my business then. But at the moment, the, the, the people don't want your business. Hi, my name's Monique. Um, <clears throat> just in terms of we're also at a stage where we're looking for a co-manufacturer, and we're based in France. Um, what do you think, the, do you expect there to be any impact from final customers or retailers um, with the fact that it is made outside the UK in Macedonia? Or do you think that for your type of product, um, they, like, people don't mind? Because we, um, we, we'd love to find something in France, but, yeah, we're aware of, of cost and minimums, et cetera, yeah. too. We're going to run into the same problem. I've not, um, so far, I've not come across anything where it's been an issue. Um, I have sent it out. The, the only retailer I have approached to put it through, a, through a, an agent is, is the co-op and nobody's, nobody's really mentioned it. It's not something that particularly I want to shout about too much So because I, I completely get where you're coming from. Um, but so far, I've not seen um, a massive concern with it. And I know that um, another of the Mission Ventures team, his stuff isn't being made in the UK and his stuff flies out. 
I think when when I was, um, you know, I, I was actually at a food festival on the weekend and people were picking up the packaging. They weren't looking at the location. They were looking purely at the ingredients and the nutrition. Mm. And I think mm. that's what uh, people are more concerned with at the moment. Um, Do you so. think it would be the same? You said initially you were targeting the premium and then have since realised um, that you've pivoted to another, to, to a lower category. Do you think it would yeah. be the same in the premium? Um, I mean, well, I don't, yeah. to be honest with you, I don't think it, uh, we've not, in, I, I understand what you're saying by a lower category. I actually, we've not, like more, we've not yeah. gone down as in a lower category. It's more, it's it's because it's just the market. because it's A, a wider audience. Product. Yeah. If, we, if we made a sharing pack of that, which is the plan, actually, I think it will go into farm shops then. But people mm. don't go into a farm shop to grab a snack. And that's gotcha. what we found. So, um, but possibly it may do. I, yeah. I don't know. I think people are very concerned. It, it's, it's a hard one, you know, because at the moment, the reason that we um, we're not vegan is because we didn't want to use palm oil. But I'm getting asked for vegan a lot more than I'm getting asked, has it got palm oil in it? Yeah. And so everybody's got a different view and you can't satisfy everything, unfortunately. So yeah. okay. I don't think it will be... And, and if you're going to a premium in a farm shop, then to be honest, it's one farm shop. It's not. If, if Waitrose turned around or Sainsbury's turned around and said, we don't want you because you're doing it, you're manufacturing overseas, it's a big issue. But if one particular farm shop is, then yeah. you know, it's not really a massive issue. So yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, question from, actually, I can't see the person's name, C86801. Um, how did you find your manufacturer in North Macedonia? I rang everybody I knew um, and, that, and that, you know, I suppose realistically I'm in a position where I'm in the baking industry and so I just rang everybody I knew. Um, and it, it, But, you know, this guy was a contact of a contact of a contact. So there's no reason why anybody else can't do it, actually. You just need one contact in the baking industry that will give you another and give you another. And yeah. it got to the stage and this email came through. In all honesty, I looked at it and thought, oh god no you know what this isn't going to be any good and and the following day I just thought I'll stuff it I'll ring him and I'm so glad I did and he's an absolute godsend to Rutors this chap that lives just a few miles away and is my and is my contact with the manufacturer right. but literally just ring just you just have to keep ringing people and and just I googled um I, I googled biscuit manufacturers so I was ringing around lots of manufacturers in 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 um, the UK but there's a craft which it depends what what industry you're in but there's always like a trade association that you can talk to so I'd start with them and and just just keep going because you'll yeah. get somewhere eventually so yeah absolutely <laughs> sort of my taglines your network always pays off in the end yeah um yeah absolutely um question from Takena um do you have any issues importing your product to the UK um that could be eased out by producing in the UK um, yes, the biggest one is um, they were supposed to be delivered back in February um, and they got delayed and delayed and finally it was May and the problem with that then is it's really hot in North Macedonia so I had to pay for a chiller, um, uh, a fridge vehicle to bring it over which meant it had to be dedicated which cost me three grand <laughs> whereas if, if uh, it's in the UK because it's chocolate you wouldn't need it. You wouldn't need a chiller, and you can just go on a, a, a shared haulage. So you even got the haulage costs are huge. As far as people ask me, if Brexit has had a massive impact. 
not really. It's not a, a, a massive issue. Um, stuffs stuffs getting over the borders okay. Uh, yeah. The manuf- I think I think having said that, I think the man the delivery we're getting on Monday, I think ideally would have been here sort of day before yesterday. Yeah. So I think I think there's a bit of a, a backlog on the other side, but um, but but no, that that's the main thing is, is the, the temperature for me. Yeah, and obviously so haulage costs. So. Yeah. So actually terrible summer weather in the UK can have a silver lining. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Thank you very much, Helen. Really appreciate your time joining us today. Okay, then. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for that. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website www.froghop.co.uk. You can book a free of charge introductory call at www.bocop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.bocop.co.uk forward slash resources.